David uh, made a little statement earlier about where it said uh, Christ is risen and the response is he was risen indeed. I read this little story this week that really blessed my heart. In the time when the Soviet Empire was at its height, uh, one of the leaders gathered thousands of the Russians together and spent about an hour denying the resurrection of Jesus, just trying to tell them how foolish it was and all that. Well, after an hour, he got through, and an Orthodox priest stood up and said, uh, could, could, I, could I say a word? And the man said, you've got five minutes. He said, I only need five seconds. And in, Rosh, in Russian, he said, Christ is risen. And the throng of thousands responded, he is risen indeed. What a confession. I think we ought to say it. I know y'all said it earlier, but repetition is the key to logic. Christ is risen. You can do better than that. Christ is risen. He is risen Amen. And he is. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, um, there are a lot of opinions, a lot of philosophies, a lot of ideas about Jesus, about who he is and what he was. They're having all the programs on television, you know, but NBC's got the one on the Bible and then there's been on on all the different channels. And it's good. Hey, by the way, isn't it amazing that 2,000 later, years later, Jesus is still front page news. <laughs> you can't get over him. You say, I'll ignore him. It's impossible. You can't ignore him. But you know, uh, there are a lot of opinions, but I want to tell you something. If you want to know the truth about who Jesus is, how he lived, what he did about his death and resurrection, i tell you where you find it. You find it in this book right here. Now, this is truth. It has stood the test of the ages. You say, well, I don't know if I believe the Bible. Now, look me in the eye. Have you ever read it all the way through? Don't tell me you don't know if you believe it if you hadn't read every word of it. Everything I believe about his death, resurrection, is found in this book. I'm not going to any philosopher any, uh, quote, religious scholar? No, sir. I'm going to go to this book and find out what the Bible says about who Jesus is and why he came and why he died and why he rose and why he's coming. This is the truth, y'all. 58 years I've been preaching it, and I believe it's more the truth now than I did when I first started. It's not getting old. It's getting better. Well, you know, over in 1 Corinthians 15, and by the way, the scriptures will be on the screen, so you'll be able to follow us. The Apostle Paul declared what Christianity is. In fact, there are two truths, two, on which all of Christianity, the door on which all of Christianity, Christianity hangs and sweeps open and shut. Without these two truths, there's no Christianity. And the amazing thing in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5, Paul told us what they were. He he didn't take a, a long treatise. He said, now let me tell you what I preach. Let me tell you what the gospel is. Let me tell you what Christianity is. So I begin reading in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you, first of all, that's which I received. Jesus told him firsthand, hey, by the way, where did Paul get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians? He spent three years with Jesus. Paul said, I didn't receive this from man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, after three years, I went up and spoke to some of the other apostles, but what I taught and what I believe, I got firsthand from Jesus. Somebody says, well, I believe what Jesus said, but I don't believe what Paul said. You don't have that choice. Everything Jesus, Paul said, Jesus told him. And so he said, this is what Christianity, this is the door it hangs on. Without it, it's not Christianity. In verse 3, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for 
our sins. Truth number one, Friday, this past Friday, it was Good Friday all over the world. What do we celebrate on Good Friday? Christ died for our sins. That's what we celebrate. Good Friday's all about the cross that's hanging up there in the baptistry behind me. It's all about what Jesus did for you and Jesus did for me on the cross. The Bible says in Peter, he bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. And so, that's the first truth. Christ died for our sins. And read on in the next verse, in verse 4, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day. Christ died for our sins, truth number one. Christ rose from the dead, truth number two. That's the gospel. That's Christianity. No Christ died for our sins, no gospel, no Christianity. Christ rose from the dead, no gospel, no Christianity. And so that, that, that's what we celebrate on Good Friday. And this is what we're celebrating today, that Christ rose from the dead. And you know, you really haven't believed the gospel and preached the gospel until you have a deep conviction that Christ died for your sins. And that you have a deep conviction that Christ rose from the dead, not only to forgive you, but to live his life in you. You know, that's the heart. But you know, Paul was writing this letter. I'm reading out of 1 Corinthians. He was writing it to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church had all, it was a wonderful church. He commended them in many ways, but they had all kind of problems, all kind of problems. I asked the Lord what kind of denomination the Corinthian church was. He said they were Bapticostal. He said they didn't know what they were. But you know what the problem was in the Corinthian church? Some, now, some of them were saying that when a person died, they didn't rise again, that the grave was the end. They said, listen, there's no resurrection. Well, Paul got wind of that. And man, he wrote them. And he, he exposed four lies that they were telling. Because when they said that there was no resurrection from the dead, they were basically saying that Jesus did not rise from the dead. That's what they were saying. And he confronted them with that. And so we'll pick it up in verse 12. And he's addressing this question that the dead do not rise again. And and I want to put it in this context. They were saying that that when a person dies... The grave is the end. That it's all over. And I want to address it this way. What if Jesus had not risen from the dead? What if? What would be the result of it? How would it affect you and I? Oh, very clearly. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12, Paul says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead... How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I preached to you that Christ was raised from the dead. It was preached by everybody else. Peter, when he rose from the dead, Peter saw him. The disciples saw him. The women saw him. Over 500 people at once saw him. And I, who was born as one out of due time, he said, I saw him. So now we're we're preaching that Christ rose from the dead. Now why are some of you saying There is no resurrection from the dead. And listen to what he says. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. When you say the dead don't rise, you're saying Jesus didn't rise. Because the Bible says that he's the first fruits of them that slept. And so it was a serious problem in the Corinthian church, and they were all confused. Paul said, let me tell you now, uh, this so these of you who are saying that, uh, that there's no resurrection from the dead, let, let me tell you the ramifications of that. He said, the first thing you need to realize, that if you say that Jesus did not raise from the, was not raised from the dead, our message is 
empty, our faith is empty, and our, we are false witnesses. Look in chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. He says, now you're saying, Jesus, that the dead do not rise? You're telling me that? Well, let me tell you what that means. In verse 14, he says, and if Christ is not risen, verse 14, our preaching is empty. It has no meaning. It has no life. Our preaching is empty, and our faith is empty. Wow. He said, you, I, I'm just going to tell you, if Jesus didn't rise, we don't have a message. And the message we're given is false. And I'll just tell you about your faith. If Jesus didn't rise, it's empty, and it's futile. And he went on and, and, and made a very powerful statement. Look down in verse 17. He said, not only is our faith empty, and not only is our message empty, he said, but we're, 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 uh, we're still in our sins. Now look at verse 17. And you'll ask me, Brother Fred, why is the forgiveness of our sins t- tied to the resurrection? I'll tell you. But look what he said. This is what he was saying to him. You say he's not risen, no, no resurrection, resurrection from, the, from the dead. Your message is empty. Your faith is empty. And then he says in verse 17, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. It is futile. It's wasted. And you're still in your sin. Oh, he said, so you don't believe Je- uh, the dead rise? Then you don't believe Jesus rose. And if you don't believe Jesus rose, your, your faith is empty and you're still in your sins. Now, wait a minute. You say, time out. That, 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 listen, I thought it was on the cross that Jesus dealt with our sins. It was. The Bible says that on the cross, the Father placed our sins on Jesus. Can I make it personal? That on that first Friday when Jesus died, the Father placed your sins on Christ. Placed my sins on Christ. Christ died for our sins. And he paid the full price. And the sacrifice was perfect. He bore in our body, uh, our, bore in on, uh, on the cross our sins in his body on the tree. He became sin for us who knew no sin. And so the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for our sins was perfect, complete. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away from it. The sacrifice for our sins was perfect. No more sacrifices. No more sacrifices. One final sacrifice. And he sat down at the right hand of God. But it says, but if you don't believe he rose from the dead, you're still in your sin. Why? You see, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was God's exclamation point where he said, the sacrifice was perfect. The sacrifice was complete. I accept the sacrifice of my son, and there will never be any more sacrifice. This is the one final. You see, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead put God's stamp on his death on the cross and declared it to be all that was needed for us to be forgiven and be saved. And so therefore, the resurrection said the sacrifice is good, it's complete, salvation is done in Christ, and the resurrection is evidence that God accepted it, his son is alive, he's king, and he's ruler. Hey, hallelujah. The resurrection means that your sins are forgiven. So, Paul said, now if you don't believe that the dead are raised, he said the first thing you need to know is that your message is false and your faith is empty. He said the second thing is not only your message, not only is your faith empty, you're still in your sins. But then he went on and said, boy, this is, this is tough right here. Look at verse 18. He said if the dead do not rise, that means Christ did not rise. And if Christ did not rise, look at verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Jesus have perished. He said, you know, if the dead do not rise, it means Christ has not risen. 
and all of your loved ones who died, the grave was the end. The grave is a closed door. All of your loved ones have perished. You know, Monday, I think it was Monday. No, I don't know what day it was. It may have been Wednesday. But we had a, Ed and I had a service out at Mobile Memorial Gardens. And I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of services out there. But for some reason, as I got out of the car and I looked across, I saw all, all these flowers. At every grave, there was a headstone. And in every headstone, there was a vase. And in every vase, there were flowers. I said, man, they're beautiful. Look at them. They're beautiful. I know that. I said, Ed, have there always been that many flowers out there? And I just thought, what does the flower speak of? It speaks of life. It speaks of beauty. It speaks of hope. But you know, if Jesus, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then our loved ones have perished. And the grave is the end. The Corinthians did not know what they were saying when they said, there is no, we believe Jesus rose from the dead, but there's no resurrection from the dead. Paul said, you can't do that because if the dead don't rise, Jesus did not rise. And so he, and, 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 and you know what else he told them? He told them they didn't have any hope if Jesus had not risen from the dead. Look, look in verse um, uh, 19 of 1 Corinthians 5. He says, the, these, the, verse 18 says, and all those who have fallen asleep in Jesus have perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, death is the end, you die, you die. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're pitiful. But see, then he changes it. Boy, I love Paul. He let him know, okay, you don't want what you're saying when you say that the dead do not rise. You don't understand all the meaning of it. Now, I just told you what it meant. But then he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. You just told four lies, and they're lies, and now I'm going to answer it by five truths that show you what it means for Jesus to be risen. I want you to look at verse 20. And, and you know, when, you, when you're reading the Bible and, and you're thinking about it, Paul, you just painted an awful picture of what would it be like if Jesus hadn't rose from the dead. But you, but you know he did. You, you've just painted. But, boy, then, look at verse 20. He starts off with two words. He's painted a dark picture. What if Christ had not risen? But he says, but now. He said, I'm going to answer your lies by telling you the truth. And I'm going to tell you about the resurrection of Jesus. He says, but now. Thank God for but now is all i got to say. Look what he said. But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Then he tells us five things. One, if you are in Christ, if you are in the risen Christ, and the risen Christ is in you, you are spiritually alive. I want you to look now. It's so clear in verse 21 and 22. He tells us, he says, listen, because Jesus lives, you've got life. He says in verse 21, for sins, since by man came death. All right, let's go back. In the garden... Adam and Eve sinned. God had warned them, you can eat of all the trees of the garden. But if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat it, you will die. Exclamation point. The day you eat of it, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why didn't God want them to eat of that tree? He didn't want them to look to anybody but him for what was, was good and evil. You don't need to look to a tree. He said, I am the source. I, the spirit, my spirit will show you what's good and what's evil. That's why you don't need to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they did. They ate of it. They lived a few years after that, but you, they died spiritually. It says here, in Adam, for since by man came death. When Adam sinned, death was passed on to each one of us. Spiritual death. Everybody born since Adam 
has been physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. That's what the Bible teaches. For since by man came death, by man comes the resurrection of the dead. And then he says it. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He said there's life in Christ. You, 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 you died with Adam. You died with him. You inherited a sinful nature from him. But Jesus came and he died. And in his death came life. In Adam you died, but in Christ through his life, life and death you're made alive. As Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. So the truth is this. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that we, are, we can be spiritually alive. Yes, sir, Ray. Since Jesus rose from the dead, we can be spiritually alive. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. Hey, the truth is Christ rose from the dead and we can be spiritually alive in Christ. Here's the second thing. The fact that Christ rose from the dead not only means that we can have spiritual life in him, but it means that our faith is living and our sins are forgiven. I want to show you that. I'm going to leave Corinthians and go over to the second chapter of Ephesians. I want you to listen to this. Man, he talks about how that in Jesus we were dead in sin, but God made us alive. I'm going to begin reading in chapter 2, verse 1. And, and by the way, it says you. Would you put your name there? And you, it says, and you he made alive who were dead. In trespasses and sin. Verse 2, he says, you walked according to the course of the world. You lived like the world lived, you know, and all that stuff. But then it goes on in verse 4. Now, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, and you he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Then he goes down in verse 4. Boy, I love this. But God, but God, over there in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, but now. And now he said, you who is made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sin. And then he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. You know, some Bible verses are short. But it'll take you eternity to understand them. God is rich in mercy. You know what that means? God does not give us what we deserve. Justice, you get what you deserve. Mercy, God says, you deserve it, but I'm not going to give it to you. You know what it says about God? He's rich in mercy. You know he's never ran out of mercy. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those that fear him and come to him. And so we're talking about the resurrection. He said, but God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved you. Do you really believe that God loves you greatly? But brother Fred, my life isn't always lovely. Welcome to the club. But how could God? You don't know what a mess I've made. You don't know what roads I've traveled down. You don't know. Wait a minute. It says here that God is rich in mercy. And he loves you with a great love. A great love. Immeasurable love. The Bible says if you could know the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Jesus which passes knowledge. Let me tell you something. God wants to pour out his mercy on you. And God wants to pour out his love on you. He is rich and in mercy and his great love with which he loved us. Look at what the next verse says in chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive together with Christ. Hey, listen, if Jesus was dead, he couldn't make us alive together with him. 
But God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive in Christ because Christ is alive. For by grace you have been saved. Now let me tell you about your faith. It's a living faith. Look at verse uh, 8. For by grace, God doing for us what we don't deserve and couldn't do for ourselves. Mercy, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace gives us, God gives us what we don't deserve and couldn't do for ourselves. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith hooks you up with the grace of God. Faith is the hook that hooks you up with the death of Christ on the cross. Faith is what lets you enter in the resurrection of Christ. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are two truths. Number one, because Jesus lives, if you're trusting him, you're alive spiritually. Secondly, because Jesus lives, your faith is a living faith. It's a living faith, and your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven, and it's because Christ rose from the dead. The third thing is this. We need to understand this. They said Christ is not, they said the dead don't raise. Christ did not risen. Paul said if that's the case, you just know this, that your, your faith is empty, your message is false, you're still in your sins, and all your loved ones perish. But that's not true, he said. He said, I want you to know Jesus is alive, and because of that, you can be alive spiritually, and because of that, your faith can be living and, and, and full, and your sins can be washed away. It is a living faith that results in the forgiveness of your sin. But then he said, our message is true. Our gospel message is true. You know, there's a lot of stuff preached today that's not the gospel. So how do I know what is the gospel? Well, I already told you, Christ died for our sins, and Christ rose from the dead the third day. But I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go back to the first message that was preached after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Forty days later, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and Peter, who had denied him, now a man full of the Holy Spirit, stood up and preached the gospel. He preached the message that is true. What was it? It hadn't changed, y'all. And if, it's, if this is not the message it's preached, it's not the true message. In, in, in Acts chapter 2, it gives us the message. We begin in uh, verse 22. In Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, Peter's preaching to them, Pentecost. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God, to by God, attested by God by miracles, wonders, and signs. God showed you Jesus was the Messiah by the signs and wonders and miracles. He said, y'all all know, even though y'all crucified, y'all all know he raised people from the dead. You saw him. You, you all know that he, he, he healed people and gave them their sight back. The, the dead were raised and the blind could see and the crippled were healed. Y'all all know what he did. God said that this is not just a man. It is God manifest in the flesh. And he attested to that by the signs, wonders, and miracles which Jesus did. And he said, all right, all right, did through the, in your midst as yourself know. Verse 23. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put him to death. Now this is Peter's first message. The gospel said, God showed you Jesus was the Messiah, but you know what you did? You took him with lawless hands and you nailed him to a cross. He said you crucified him. All right, Christ crucified for our sins. You've taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death. But wait a minute. That's not the end. Look at verse 24. Whom God raised up. See, that's the gospel. Not just that Christ died for our sins, but that God raised him from the dead. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Brother, they had talked about that earlier. 
You know why death couldn't hold him? Because he was sinless. The wages of sin is death. Everybody born since Adam except Jesus had sinned. He was the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. There was no sin in him. And so when they killed him, death had no hold on him because he had never sinned. And it could not hold him. And God said you, it cannot hold him. And he raised him from the dead saying he won the victory over death and your sacrifice was perfect. Whom God raised from the dead having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You know, the devil is not omniscient. He don't know everything. And I, I, I know I'm getting in dangerous territory when I say, but he's just plain stupid. He thought he was getting rid of Jesus. And he couldn't get rid of him because Jesus had never sinned and he was the perfect sacrifice. And all he did was put to death the sinless son of God. And when he put him to death, he absolutely crushed the head of the devil and won the victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Glory to God is all I got to say. Glory to God. Could, death could not hold him. He loosed him whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death. All right. In verse 32, this is the message. See, our, our faith, we're spiritually alive. Our faith is living. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus is alive. And also, our message is true. In verse 32, it says, This Jesus God raised up, of whom we are all witnesses. And he says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this on you, which you see and hear. Now look, 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 look. God raised him from the dead. You know where he is right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. In power, in authority, in majesty. Everything is under his feet. He is absolutely King of kings and Lord of lords. But he comes to live in us by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'll come and live in you. Your body will be the temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. I'll come and live in you. But bodily and visibly, that's right. Stephen saw him when he was being stoned to death. Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. Hey, he's visibly and bodily sitting by the right hand of the Father who has all authority in heaven and on earth. But you need to understand the message is Christ was crucified. He was buried. He was raised again the third day. And salvation is in him. And God has exalted him. And he's king of kings and lord of lords. And there's no salvation in any other. That's the message of the gospel. So our message is alive. I love this. The fourth thing about the resurrection we're spiritually alive in Christ. Our faith is a living faith by grace, not by works. And our sins are forgiven. Our message is true. Christ is the only Savior and Lord. But you know, the great thing is uh, that our loved ones did not perish. Woo. They're alive in Christ. You know, and we'll spend eternity with him. Isn't it good to know that the loved ones that have gone before us who knew Jesus and loved Jesus had their personal faith in Jesus? They weren't perfect, but their faith rests squarely on Jesus, on his precious blood, on his death on the cross on his resurrection from the dead. They didn't trust in their church membership to save them. They didn't trust in their good works to save him. They didn't trust in their mom and daddy's faith to save them. They were saved themselves through their repentance and faith in Christ. Isn't it good to know that they've never been more alive than they are right now? I mean, it is glorious. Let me, let me read to you this. In 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about that death has been defeated. And our loved ones are alive. They are experiencing the glory of heaven. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, this physical body, 
cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I am not going to go to heaven with this physical body. Thank God is all I got to say. (laughs) I'm going to shed this thing. I won't get tired at 3.30 in heaven, praise the Lord. Some of y'all don't understand that. But anyway, this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. Some are going to go up in the rapture. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, I wish people didn't tell me things about verses that I could never forget. That is a powerful verse. It means we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. You know what somebody told me? Now, this was, it, it's funny, but I don't, it, it, it hurts me with this verse. We shall not all sleep. We should all be changed. They said, that needs to be put up in the nursery. <laughs> we shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Now, see, you won't ever forget that every time you read that verse. Every time I read it, I think of it. That is not what it's talking about. We're not all going to die physically. Some of us will go up in the air. It says we shall all be changed. In a moment, boy, this is exciting. In the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound. The last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We're going to get a new body. We shall be changed. This corruptible body, sickness and death, will be put, will put on incorruption and this mortal body will put on immortality. And when this corruptible body subject to disease and death has put on corruption, incorruption, and this mortal body has, been, has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the victory that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Woo! You know where that is in the Bible? In Isaiah chapter 28. And Isaiah 28, hundreds of years before Jesus won the victory on the cross, Isaiah said, death is swallowed up in victory. Go look it up, and there will be no more pain or no more crying. In Isaiah. And so Paul is quoting, and he says, hey, then shall be passed this written the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to say this. A child of God, in fellowship with God, we're not afraid to die. You're not afraid to die. The sting of death has been taken. Death has been swallowed up in victory. All that happens when a Christian, quote, dies, is their physical life ceases. And to be absent from the body, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, is to be present with the Lord in an instant, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We go to be with Jesus, awaiting when he will raise our body up at the resurrection. You know, let, let me tell you about death. You're not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. But I want to determine how I die. I don't want to suffer. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but you know what? I don't have any choice. And whatever God allows will be best. Amen? Amen? I mean, that's right. God may be glorified more in suffering than he would if I went instantly. You just got to trust God. Listen, when you get sick, the loved one gets sick that loves Jesus and is dying and is suffering, don't, don't you think that God's not in control and don't you think that God's forgotten about him. God is still in control and he knows what's going on and you just need to trust God and pray for him and make him as comfortable as you can. Because God's got a purpose. Now if I could choose the way I die, I'd just die right like I'm doing right now, preaching the gospel right now. It'd scare you to death, but I still would like to go just like that. You think I'm kidding you? I'd love it. What would be better? And I'd say, Lord, what do you think of the message? He said, well, you could do a lot better, son. Well, anyway. But the truth is, our loved ones have not perished. Paul answered that and said, they have not perished. They have not perished. They were Jesus. 
And this is the last. He gave five truths about the resurrection. We are spiritually, we're not in Adam, we're in Christ. We're spiritually alive. By the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, we're forgiven. Our faith is living and our sins are gone. And then he went on and said that uh, our message of the gospel is true and our loved ones are in heaven. And he said, let me tell you one thing as a believer. Because Jesus lives, you've got a living hope. A living hope. Man, don't you love that passage? 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 through 5, I've done, I, 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 I use it 90% of the celebration services that I do of people who have died that were saved. I use these verses because I'm telling you, you can't improve on them. You know what it says about uh, our hope? Now listen to what it says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to his abundant mercy has given us a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus is alive. We've got a living hope. We've got an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. We've got a living hope, y'all. We've got an inheritance. Now, so Paul answered the, the, the Corinthian uh, people that were messed up and said, Jesus is alive and this is what it means. Now I want to close. Boy, I'm doing real good, I'm telling you. We'll be out before 1 o'clock. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to listen. I want to, ask you, I want to ask you five questions. There were four lies they told about the resurrection, okay? And Paul answered one of them, that's a lie, and he told us the truth about it how we have life because Jesus lives. But, but now here are, are the five questions I want to ask you. And you have to answer them for yourself. I'm not going to ask you to do or raise your hand or anything, but I just want you to be honest. Okay? Number one, do you have a deep conviction? I didn't say an intellectual belief. Do you have a deep conviction that Christ died for your sins? And do you have a deep conviction that Christ rose from the dead? Oh, intellectually, you believe it or you wouldn't be here. But, you know, I, I'm not talking about intellect. We don't live by our beliefs. We live by our convictions. We have many beliefs, but few convictions. So, do you have a deep conviction? Christ died for my sins. Christ rose from the dead for my justification. Do you really believe that? That's life-changing. It means that we look to Jesus. We look to Christ. We don't look anywhere else. But, well, here's the second question. Well, then if you believe Christ died for your sins and Christ rose from the dead and that is your conviction... The next question is this, and, and, and it's a very, very important question. You know, has there ever been a time in your life, ever been a time in your life when you, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Now, I'm asking you, has there ever been a time in your life? Do you have to remember the day? No. It'd be nice if you did. Do you have to remember the time? No, but it would be nice if you did. But deep in your heart, you know that at some point in your life, you realize that you were lost. You were lost. You, were, you had sinned against God. And your sin had separated you from God. And if you died in your sins, you would be forever separated from God in a place called hell. Has there ever been a time when you realized that you were lost and realized your sinfulness and you repented? And that means this. You not only confessed your sin, but God, I don't want to live that way anymore. Now, let me tell you something. Repentance is God, I've sinned. That's part of it. 
But repentance is, God, I've sinned. I don't want to live that way anymore. I can't do it in my own power. I've sinned, but I want to, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a righteous person. I want to live a righteous life. I've already lived this other way for myself. And I repent. And I ask your forgiveness for my sin, my independence, my lawlessness. And, I, and, and, and Lord, I repent. And I turn away from that and I want to live a, a different life. I, I've been practicing sin, but I choose to practice righteousness. I've been ungodly, but I choose to be godly. I've been filled with unrighteousness, but I choose to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Has there ever been a time in your life where you repented of your sin, trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and Jesus only? You didn't trust the church, any man, any experience, any emotion, but you trusted Jesus, and today you're trusting him alone as your Savior. And then here's the third question, which is a part of the second question. First question, have you got a deep conviction that Christ died for your sins, a deep conviction he rose from the dead? Second question, has there ever been a time realizing you were lost, separated from God, you repented of your sins and received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? John 1, 12 and 13 says, He came to his own, his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's as plain as it can be. He came unto his own, and they did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. Now, the third thing is this. All right. And I have to examine. My, my. Has Jesus changed your life? Has there been any change in your life? You no longer practice sin. That's not your lifestyle. You practice righteousness. I didn't say you never sin. But the desire of your heart is not to sin. Before, you just ran after sin as fast as you could. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. But Jesus has forgiven you and saved you. Now, you're no longer running after sin. No longer want to practice that. You're choosing righteousness, and you're chasing after righteousness, which he gives you. So I just want to ask you, has your, has your life ever been changed? You can't meet Jesus and not be changed. You can't do that. When Christ comes to live in you, you're not the same person you used to be. I'll tell you that right now. I read a story that just broke my heart <laughs> by a great hero of mine. His name was is Hyman Appleman. He was preaching. This has been 50 years ago. He was a converted Jew. And he told this story about an agnostic who got up and said about Joe. This was a guy's name who'd gotten saved. He said, well... It won't last. Joe's just deluded. He's just living in a dream world. You know, he really hadn't been saved. He really hadn't been changed. He, he's just dreaming. He, he, he's just not dealing with reality. Ooh, I can't hardly tell this without weeping. After he sat down, an eight-year-old girl came to him and said, Sir, if my daddy is dreaming, and if he is <laughs> in some kind of state, Please don't wake him up because <laughs> he's full of love and he's full of forgiveness and he's a new man. I said, glory to God. Hey, if I'm deluded, don't you wake me up, please. Because I tell you, Jesus Christ can give you the power to live a righteous life. But Brother Fred, I've tried and i failed. That's just it. You tried and you failed. You look to Jesus and say, I can't. You never said I could. But I trust you, Jesus, and nothing else. You say, Brother Fred, is the Christian life difficult? It's impossible. The only person that ever lived it was Jesus. So um, here's the last one. Do you have full assurance that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? There's nothing wrong with that question. Nothing wrong with that. Do you have full assurance that if you took your last physical breath today, you'd wake up in heaven? I got a call, and I have to meet a family tomorrow who the mother uh, died suddenly. 
just suddenly at 65. I, I really will know the family I know after I see them and meet with them. And they said, Brother Fred, you baptized the husband and the wife and the children years ago. You know, and, and, and so I said, all right, well, I, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I'll meet with you. The funeral's going to be Wednesday. I said, and I'll meet with you tomorrow. And I am at one o'clock. But now I hadn't, I, 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 don't, I can't recognize them right now. I know the name, but I can't recognize them. So I don't know a lot about them. I just don't know a lot about them. Now that's hard. But you see, if I am going to do the service to celebrate her life, and I'm not saying anything about her because I can't speak about her life, there's one thing I'm going to have to know. Was she following Jesus? As best you knew as a family, did Jesus Christ live in her heart? Did she have evidence that she was a child of God? Had she ever shared with you that she knew where she was going and she was ready to go? See, I, I, I mean, that's, it's not how much money did she make, what was her career, and all that's important now. I'm not, and no, none of that matters, y'all. You understand? That doesn't matter. It's over. What matters is this. Was she ready to meet the Lord? When she died, dropped dead in the bathroom, did her spirit go to be with Jesus? See, that's all matters. You say, Brother Fred, that's too simple. It's not simple, y'all. It is absolutely, eternally profound. Would you listen to me? You can be unsure about some things, but you cannot be unsure about your eternal destiny. You can't. You've got to know. And all I can do is plead with you. If you don't know, don't keep in that state. Settle it. Do you have the assurance that if God were to call you today, you'd go to be with him and you'd see Jesus? 